For many things in life, it takes time and effort before you can see meaningful improvement. But luckily for us, eating better is easy with Factor's delicious ready-to-eat meals. Every meal from Factor is fresh, never frozen, and is chef-crafted and ready to go in just two minutes. There are over 35 different options to choose from every week, and it doesn't just stop at lunch or dinner, they also have a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. Truly every meal I've had from Factor has been delicious, but most importantly for me, it's beyond easy with no cooking or prep and especially no cleanup. Plus Factor is less expensive than takeout and every meal is dietitian approved, so I'm saving money and eating healthier even on the days when I don't feel like cooking. If you'd like to get started today and get after your goals, head to factormeals.com lightspeed50 and use code lightspeed50 to get 50% off. That's code LIGHTSPEED50 at factormeals.com slash LIGHTSPEED50 to get 50% off. Who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. Lightspeed. Hi, and welcome to the Lightspeed Magazine Story Podcast. I'm your host, John Joseph Adams. Our story this week is Breakaway Backdown by James Patrick Kelly. It's read for you by Gabrielle DeCure. James Patrick Kelly has written novels, short stories, essays, reviews, poetry, plays, and planetarium shows. His most recent book is a collection of stories titled The Wreck of the Godspeed. His short novel, Burn, won the Nebula Award in 2007. He has won the Hugo Award twice, in 1996 for his novelette Think Like a Dinosaur, and in 2000 for his novelette 10 to the 16th to 1. His fiction has been translated into 18 languages. With John Kessel, he is co-editor of The Secret History of Science Fiction, Feeling Very Strange, The Slipstream Anthology, and Rewired, The Post-Cyberpunk Anthology. He writes a column on the internet for Asimov Science Fiction Magazine, and is on the faculty of the Stone Coast Creative Writing MFA program at the University of Southern Maine, and he's on the board of directors of the Clarion Foundation. His website is jimkelly.net. I hope you enjoy the story, and if you do, I'll hope you go to our website at lightspeedmagazine.com and leave a comment. Just click on Fiction, find this story, and then leave a comment there. Or if you'd like to help spread the word, go to iTunes, find the Lightspeed Magazine Story Podcast, and leave a review or rating there. Before we get to story time, I just wanted to remind you that you can now subscribe to the ebook edition of Lightspeed via waitlistbooks.com, a new ebook store managed by Gavin Grant and the team at Small Beer Press. Subscriptions are just $19.95 a year, and that's over $15 off the cover price. So subscribe early and subscribe often. 
and tell your friends. Well, that about does it for this week's intro, so without further ado, let's make the jump to Lightspeed. Breakaway Back Down by James Patrick Kelly. You know, in space, nobody wears shoes. Well, new temps wear slippers. They make the soles out of that adhesive polymer, grip right or grip tight. <laughs> Sounds like paper ripping when you lift your feet. Temps who've been up a while wear this glove thing that snugs around the toes. The breakaways, they go barefoot. You can't really walk much in space, so they've reinvented their feet so they can pick up crew drivers and spoons and stuff. It's hard because you lose fine motor control in micro-G. I had, have, this friend, Elena, who could make a krill and tomato sandwich with her feet, but she had that operation that changes your big toe into a thumb. I used to kid her that maybe breakaways were climbing down the evolutionary ladder, not jumping off it. Are we people or chimps? <laughs> She'd scratch her armpits and hoot. Sure, breakaways have a sense of humor. They're people, after all. It's just that they're like no people you know. <laughs> the thing was, Elena was so limber that she could bite her toenails. So, can you fix my shoe? How long is that going to take? Why not just glue the heel back on? I know they're Donya Durans, but I've got a party in half an hour, okay? What, you think I'm going to walk around town barefoot? I'll wait. Except, what's with all these lights? It's two in the morning and you've got this place as bright as noon in Khartoum. How about a little respect for the night? Thanks. What did you say your name was? I'm Cleo. You are, are you? <laughs> Jane, honey. Lots of people think about going to space, but you'd be surprised at how few actually apply, much less break away. So how old are you? Oh, no, they like them young, just as long as you're over 19. No kids in space. So the stats don't scare you? Not shoe repair, that's for sure. But if you can convince them you're serious, they'll find something for you to do. They trained me, and I was nobody. A business major. I tempted for almost 15 months on Victor Foxtrot, and I never could decide whether I loved or hated it. Still can't. So how could I even think about becoming a breakaway? Everything is loose up there, okay? It makes you come unstuck. The first thing that happens is you get space sick. For a week, your insides are so scrambled that you're trying to digest lunch with your cerebellum and write memos with your large intestine. Meanwhile, your face puffs up so that you can't find yourself in the mirror anymore, and your sinuses fill with cotton candy, and you're fighting a daily hair mutiny. I might have backed down right off if it hadn't been for Ellen, you know, the one with the clever toes. Then, when you're totally miserable and empty and disoriented, your brain sorts things out again, and you realize it's all magic. Some astro fairy has enchanted you. Your body is as light as a whisper, free as air. I'll tell you the most amazing thing about weightlessness. It doesn't go away. You keep falling. 
down, up, sideways, whatever. You might bump into something once in a while, but you never, ever slam into the ground. Extremely sexy. But it does take some getting used to. (laughs) I kept having dreams about gravity. Down here, you have a whole planet hugging you. But in space... It's not only you that's enchanted, it's all your stuff, too. For instance, if you put that brush down, it stays. It doesn't decide to drift across the room and out the window and go visit Elena over on B-deck. I had this pin that had been my mother's, a silver dove with a diamond eye, and somehow it escaped from a locked jewelry box. Turned up two months later in a dish of butterscotch pudding, almost broke Jack Pitzer's tooth. You get a lot of pudding and space. Oatmeal. Stews. Sticky food is easier to eat, and you can't taste much of anything but salt and sweet anyway. Why? Do you think I'm babbling? God, I am babbling. (laughs) It must be the Zentadone. The woman at the Persona store said it was just supposed to be an icebreaker with a flirty edge to it, like Panatil, only more sincere. You wouldn't have any reset, would you? Hey, spare me the lecture, honey. I know they don't allow personas in space. Anyway, imprinting is such a bunch of pro-brain propaganda. Personas are temporary, period. When you stop taking the pills, the personas go away, and you're your plain old vanilla self again. There's bushels of studies that say so. I'm just taking a little vacation from Cleo. Maybe I'll go away for a weekend, or a week, or a month. But eventually I'll come home. Always have, always will. I don't care what your Jesus puppet says. You can't trust Godware, okay? Look, I'm not going to convince you, and you're not going to convince me. Truce. The shoes? Oh, four, five years. Let's see, I bought them in 36. Five years. I had to store them while I was up. You get used to walking in spike heels, actually. I mean, I'm not going to run a marathon or climb the Matterhorn. Elena has all these theories of why men think spikes are sexy. Okay, they're kind of a short-term body mod. They stress the leg muscles, which makes you look tense, which leads most men to assume you could use a serious screwing. And they push your fanny out like you're making the world an offer. But most important is that when you're teetering around in heels, it tells a man that if he chases you, you're not going to get very far. (laughs) Not only do spike heels say you're vulnerable, they say you've chosen to be vulnerable. Of course, it's not quite the same in micro-G. She was my mentor, Elena. Assigned to teach me how to live in space. I was an ag tech, worked as a germ wrangler in the Edens. Microorganisms. <laughs> okay, you probably think that if you stick a seed in some dirt, add some water and sunlight, and wait a couple of months, Mother Nature hands you a head of lettuce. Uh-uh. Doesn't work that way, especially not in space. The Edens are synergistic, symbiotic ecologies. Your carbo crops, your protein crops, your vitamin crops, they're all fussy about the neighborhood germs. If you don't keep your clostridia and rhizobium in a balance, 
your Eden will rot to compost. Stinky, slimy compost. It's important work, and duller than accounting. It wouldn't have been so bad if we could have talked on the job, but CO2 in the Edens runs 6%, which is great for plants, but will kill you if you're not wearing a breather. Elena painted an enormous smile on mine, with about 800 teeth in it. She had lips on hers, puckered, so that they looked like she was ready to be kissed. Alpha Ralpha, the chicken man, had this plastic beak. Only sometimes we switched. <laughs> Confused the hell out of the nature lovers. I'll tell you. The job would have been a lot easier if we could have kept the rest of the crew out. But the Edens are designed for recreation as much as food production. On Victor Foxtrot, we had to have sign-ups between 800 and 1600. See, the Edens have lots of open space and we keep them eight degrees over crew deck nominal, and they're lit 20 hours a day by grow lights and solar mirrors, and they have big windows. Crew floats around, sucking up the view, soaking up photons, communing with the life force, shredding foliage, and in general, getting in our way. Breakaways are the worst. <laughs> they actually adopt plants like they were pets. Is that crazy or what? I mean, a tomato has a lifespan of three, maybe four months before it gets too leggy and stops bearing. I've seen grown men cry because Elena pulled up their favorite marigold. No, all my plants are now silk. When I backed down, I realized that I didn't want anything to do with the day. My family was a bunch of poor nobodies. We moved to the night when I was seven. So night shifting was like coming home. The fact is, I got too much sun while I was up there. The sun is not my friend. Haven't seen real daylight in over a year. I make a point of it. I have a day-night timeshare at Lincoln Street Under. While the sun is shining, I'm asleep or safely cocooned. At dusk, my roomie comes home, and I go out to work and play. Hey, being a mommy to legumes is not what I miss about space. How about you? What turned you into an owl? Well, well, maybe you are serious about breaking away. Sure, they prefer recruits who've night shifted. Shows them you've got circadian discipline. Elena said something like that once. She said that it's hard to scare someone to death in broad daylight. It isn't just that the daytime is too crowded, it's too tame. The night is edgier, scarier, sexier. You say and do things that wouldn't occur to you at lunchtime. It's because we don't really belong in the night. In order to survive here, we have to fight all the old instincts warning us not to wander around in the dark because we might fall off a cliff or get eaten by a saber-toothed tiger. Living in the night gives you a kind of extra... Oh, I don't know. Right! And it's the same with space. It's even scarier and sexier. Well, maybe sexy isn't exactly the right word, but you know what I mean. Actually, I think that's what I miss most about it. I was more alive then than I ever was before. Maybe too alive. People live fast up there. 
They know the stats. They have to. You know, <laughs> you sort of remind me of Elena. Must be the eyes. <laughs> it sure as hell isn't the body. If you ever get up, give her a shout. You'd like her, even though she doesn't wear shoes anymore. Almost a year. I wish we could talk more. But it's hard. She transferred to the marathon. They're out surveying Saturn's moons. There's like a three-hour lag. It's impossible to have a real-time conversation. She sent a few vids, but it hurt too much to watch them. They were all happy chat, you know? Nothing important in them. I didn't plan on missing her so much. So, you have any college credits? No real difference between Harvard and a net school, unless you're some kind of snob about bricks. Now that's a hell of a thing to be asking a perfect stranger. What do I look like? Some three-star slut? Don't make assumptions just because I'm wearing spiked heels. For all you know, honey, I could be dating a basketball player. Maybe I'm tired of staring at his navel when we dance. If you're going to judge people by appearances, hey, you're the one with the machine stigmata. What's that supposed to be? Rust or dried blood? Well, you ought to be. Though actually, that's what everyone wants to know. That and how do you go to the bathroom. Truth is, Jane, sex is complicated, like everything about space. First of all, forget all that stuff you've heard about doing it while you're floating free. It's dangerous, hard work, and no fun. You want to have sex in space. One or both of you has to be tied down. Most hetero temps use some kind of a joy strap. It's this wide circular elastic that fits around you and your partner. It helps you stay coupled, okay? But even with all that gear, sex can be kind of subtle. As in disappointing. You don't realize how erotic weight is until there isn't any. You want to make love to a balloon? Some people do nothing but oral. Keeps the vectors down. Of course, the breakaways. They've reinvented love just like everything else. They have this kind of sex where they don't move. If there's penetration, they just float in space, staring into one another's eyes or some such, until they tell one another that it's time to have an orgasm, and then they do. If they're homo, they just touch each other. Elena tried to show me once. I don't know why, but it didn't happen for me. Maybe I was too embarrassed because I was the only one naked. She said I'd learn eventually that it was part of breaking away. No. I thought I was going to break away. I really did. I stuck it out until the very last possible day. Mm. It's hard to explain. I mean, when nobody's on Earth, look up at night. No offense, Jane, I was one too. What calls them is the romance of it all. The high frontier, okay? Sheena Steele and Captain Kirk, cowboys and asteroids. Kid stuff, except they don't let kids in space because of the cancer. Then you go up, and once you're done puking, you realize that it was all propaganda.
Space is boring, and it's indescribably magic at the same time. How can that be? Sometimes I'd be working in an Eden, and I'd look out the windows, and I'd see Earth, blue as a dream. And I'd think of all the people down there, 12 billion ants, looking up into the night and wondering what it was like to be me. I swear I could feel their envy, as sure as I can feel your floor beneath me now. It's part of what holds you up when you're in space. You know you're not an ant. There are fewer than 20,000 breakaways. You're brave and you're doomed and you're different from everyone else who has ever lived. Only then, your shift ends. And it's time to go to the gym and spend three hours pumping the ergo rack in a squeeze suit to fight muscle loss in case you decide to back down. <laughs> I'll tell you, being a temp is hell. The rack is hard work. If you're not exhausted afterward, you haven't done it right. And you sweat. God! See, the sweat doesn't run off. It pools in the small of your back and the crook of your arm and under your chin and clings there, shivering like an amoeba. And while you're slaving on the rack, Elena is getting work done or reading or sleeping or talking about you with her breakaway pals. They have three more hours in their day, see? And they don't ever have to worry about backing down. Then, every nine weeks, you have to leave what you're doing and visit one of the wheel habitats and readjust your weight for a week so that when you come back to Victor Foxtrot, you get space sick all over again. But you tell yourself it's all worth it because it's not only space that you're exploring, it's yourself. How many people can say that? You have to find out who you are so that you decide what to hold on to and what to let go of. <laughs> Excuse me. I can't talk about this anymore right now. No, I'll be all right. Only, okay, <laughs> so you don't have any reset? You must have some kind of flash. Well, that'll have to do. Tell you what, I'll buy the whole liter from you. Ah, oh. <laughs> ethanol with a pedigree. But a real back-down kind of drug, Jane? <laughs> Weighs way too much to bring out of the gravity well. And besides, the flash is about the same as hitting yourself over the head with a bottle. <laughs> Want a slug? Come on, it's 2.30. Time to start the party. You're making me late, you know. Do me a favor, would you? Pass me those shoes on the shelf there. No, no, the blue ones. Yes. Oh, beautiful. Real leather, right? I love leather shoes. They're like faces. I mean, you can polish them, but once they get wrinkles, you're stuck with them. Look at my face, okay? See these wrinkles here, right at the corner of my eyes? Got them working in the Edens. <laughs> Too much sun. <laughs> How old do you think I am?
29, but that's okay. I was up 15 months and it only aged me four years. Still, my permanent bone loss is less than 8% and I built my muscles back up and I only picked up 18 rads and I'm not half as crazy as I used to be. <laughs> hey, I'm a walking advertisement for backing down. So, have I talked you out of it yet? Oh, I don't mean to, okay? I'd probably go up again if they'd have me. Don't plan on it. The wheel habitats are strictly for tourists. They cost ten times as much to build as a micro-G can. And once you're in one, you're pretty much stuck to the rim. And you're still getting zapped by cosmic rays and solar X-rays and energetic neutrons. If you're going to risk living in space, you might as well enjoy it. Besides, all the important work gets done by the breakaways. See? That's where you're wrong. It's like Elena used to say, we didn't conquer space, it conquered us. Break away and you're giving up 40, maybe 50 years of life, okay? The stats don't lie. 56 is the average. That means some breakaways die even younger. You don't? <laughs> well, good for you. Hey, it looks great. Better than new. How much? Does that include the vodka? Well, thanks. Listen, Jane, I'm going to tell you something. A secret they ought to tell everybody before they go up. No, I'm not. Promise. So anyway, on my breakaway day, Elena calls me to her room and tells me that she doesn't think I should do it, that I won't be happy living in space. I'm so stunned that I start crying, which is a very back-down thing to do. I try to argue, but she's been mentoring for years and knows what she's talking about. Only about a third break away, but of course you know that. Anyway, it gets strange then. She says to me, I have something to show you. And then she starts to strip. See, the time she'd made love to me, she wouldn't let me do anything to her. And like I said, she'd kept her clothes on. Breakaways have this thing about showing themselves to temps. I mean, I'd seen her hands before, her feet. They looked like spiders. And I'd seen her face, kissed it even. But now, I'm looking at her naked body for the first time. She's 51 years old. I think she must have been taller than me once, but it's hard to be sure because she has the deep micro-G slouch. Her muscles have been atrophied, so her papery skin looks as if it's been sprayed onto her bones. She's had both breasts prophylactically removed. I've got 40% bone rot, she says, and I mass 38 kilos. She shows the scars from the operations to remove her thyroid and ovaries, the tap on her hip where they take the monthly biopsy to test for leukemia. Look at me, she says. What do you see? I start to tell her that I've read the literature and watched all the vids, and I'm prepared for what's going to happen, but she shushes me. Do you think I'm beautiful, she says. All I can do is stare. I think I am she says. 
so do the others. It's our nature, Cleo. This is how space makes us over. Can you tell me you want this to happen to you? And I couldn't. <laughs> See? She knew me better than I knew myself. What I wanted was to float forever, to feel I was special, to stay with her. Maybe I was in love with her. <laughs> I don't know if that's possible. But loving someone isn't a reason to break away, especially if the stats say that someone will be dead in five years. So I told her she was right and thanked her for everything she'd done and got on the shuttle that same day and back down and became just another nobody. And she gave up mentoring and went to Saturn, and now that we've forgotten all about each other, we can start living happily ever after. No. Here's the secret, honey. The heart is a muscle, okay? That means it shrinks in space. All breakaways know it. Now you do too. <laughs> anyway, it's been nice talking to you. Sure. Good night. This has been a production of Lightspeed Magazine in association with Skyboat Road Company, Inc. To subscribe to this podcast, comment on this story, or read additional stories from Lightspeed Magazine, please visit lightspeedmagazine.com. Thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Madigan from Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist, the podcast that explores the world through a personal, intersectional feminist perspective. I bring you two episodes a week. Every Monday, I cover something from a wide variety of topics, covering everything from feminist faves throughout history like Audre Lorde, listener coming out stories, and other hot-button topics like toxic masculinity and the Me Too movement as well as plenty feminist history, the good and the controversial. And then every Friday, I bring you a mini What's in the News episode to keep you up to date with everything that's going on today in the world. And with over 580 episodes available to you right now, there's plenty of good stuff to listen to. You can listen to Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to rage on. Bye. Bye.